Good evening. It's certainly wonderful to be here tonight. Wonderful crowd that we have. Very appreciative of everyone that's taken the time to be here and to be with us. Hope that the assembly thus far has been a blessing to you. I know it has been to me. Wonderful singing. Very thankful for your participation in that tonight. We can all be lifted up and I would think that if the elders told me to sit down and let's sing some more, I wouldn't be the least bit offended tonight. Yancey's shaking his head, so I might have, I might have to go sit down. Beautiful singing. Thank you for your participation in that. Certainly uplifting to everybody. We're going to continue in our series of training yourself or exercising yourself to godliness. We began on Sunday talking about the need for it, and our goal is to glorify God, the need for our lives to be disciplined as God has called us. We get Sunday night talked about having the right mindset, and then starting on Monday uh, and through Tuesday and Wednesday, we began discussing specific areas to discipline ourselves, starting with our thinking and not just learning to think about different things, but to learn to think differently. And we talked about our tongue and how our tongue ought not to be used to produce evil, but to lift people up and doing the exercises, the work necessary to take control of our tongue, to bridle it that it might glorify God. And we talked last night about our conduct and our behavior, uh, very specifically about purity or blamelessness, conducting ourselves in such a way that blame can't be laid at our feet. And tonight I kind of want to try to pull all these things together under the topic of integrity, of putting it all together in a package of my life day by day. To begin with, I just want to notice a couple of passages here that kind of hope will pique your interest about the idea of integrity as the Scripture talks about them. Beginning here in Psalms chapter 7 and verse 8, the Bible says, The Lord shall judge the people. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness, according to my integrity that's in me. I don't know if we think about that a lot, but the Bible talks about you and I as we stand before God being judged by our integrity. I think sometimes when we use that word integrity, all of us kind of go, well, I might could give you a technical definition of it, but I'm not sure that I could give you really what it is. But we all know it when we see it. We can look at someone and say, well, that's a man of integrity. Well, what do you mean by that? And there's a lot of things that someone could possibly mean by integrity. So it ought to grab our interest a little bit when the scriptures say, judge me according to my integrity that's within me. Job teaches us this in chapter 31, let me be weighed in an even balance that God may know mine integrity. Have you ever thought about God knowing your integrity, that God examining, testing, and proving, and seeing what kind of integrity that you have? Certainly that ought to grab our attention a little bit. I hope it's grabbed yours to think about being judged by your integrity, to think about God knowing your integrity. Now, when you step back and begin to define what this word means, it just means completeness or a wholeness. It comes from a word that means full or perfect, sound or finished. Quite simply, it has to do with consistency. That's the best definition I could think of it, is consistency. It's part of the definition, and it's the one that makes the most sense to me. You might think of integrity as the exact opposite of hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is where I'm a different person in different places. It's where I wear a mask, and in some places I'm this way, and in some places I'm that way. Integrity is just the opposite that says, wherever I'm at, I'm the exact same person. There is consistency in my thought. There is consistency in my mouth. There is consistency in my body movements and how I control my body. doesn't matter where I'm at or who I'm with. I'm the same person wherever I go. That's a wholeness, a completeness, a soundness, if you will. 
will. In 1 Kings chapter 9 and verse 4, I think here as God is instructing Solomon about how he ought to behave himself, he gives him these instructions and says, If thou wilt walk before me as David thy father walked in integrity of heart and uprightness to do according to all that I have commanded thee and wilt keep my statutes and judgments. And he goes on from here and says, If you'll do these things, then I'll be with you. And here what we see, I think, is a great place for us to really get an understanding of what integrity is. It shows us an application of it. God is saying to Solomon, listen, I want you to have this integrity of heart, this consistency that no matter where you're at, no matter what you do, you're the same person. And he starts by saying you ought to have uprightness, have that integrity of heart that starts with uprightness. I would say that is to accept God's standards. That's what God was telling Solomon, is you walk like your father walked in integrity of heart. You accept the standards that I set forth. When I say something's right, you say it's right. When I say something's wrong, you say it's wrong. When I say go left, you go left. When I say go right, you go right. You accept whatever standards I say, and never do you change those, never do you dismiss those, never do you minimize them. That I get to be the standard bearer. Then he went on to say not only accept those, but also keep my statutes and judgment. So it's not enough to to say, yeah, I agree with God, but I'm going to go do something different. It's I agree with God, and I'm going to live by God's standards. If God says it's this, then that's exactly what I'm going to be. The idea that you and I as Christians, pardon me, are to have integrity, I think is kind of what we look at when the world rails against Christianity, is they see a lot of inconsistency. They see a lot of people that say God is love, and then treat their neighbors very hatefully. They say, we're to be kind to one another. And then they condemn with hatred in their heart. And they say, there's an inconsistency there. And God says, those things ought not to be in you and I. There ought to be a consistency in you and I that we're going to accept God's standards and live God's standards. That means I'm going to do what's right, do what God calls me to, in whatever circumstance I'm in. Whether I'm standing in front of a great audience or whether I'm alone by myself in the closet, I'm going to do what God called me to do in that situation. That in those details, or in those moments of life, that I'm not going to make excuses, I'm not going to cut corners, but I'm going to say, you know, God said, do it this way, and these are the details that He laid out for me, and I can't skip them, I can't ignore them, that the details of my life, of how I conduct myself, matter to God. I'm not going to give myself a pass on the details, whether I'm in front of an audience or behind a, a small group of people. That I'm loyal, I would say it this way, integrity is being loyal to the truth even when you're under pressure. Especially, I might say, when you're under pressure. You know, that's when we're tempted to fold the most, is when the pressure increases. Integrity, consistency says that when there's that pressure, I'm still the same person. I don't change. Another example I want to put before you here is in John chapter 10. I think this kind of helps us get an idea a little bit better of, of consistency. This is Jesus talking to the Pharisees when they ask him, tell us plainly if you're the Christ. They're, they're demanding to know that. And I love how Jesus answered this. He looks at them and he says, I told you and you believe me not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. You know what he's saying here. He said, listen, I've told you and you won't listen to me. Now look at how I live my life. What I do proves who I am. And I would say that's the same for you and I. We can say that we love God. We can gather around the communion table and talk about how wonderful it is to have forgiveness. And then we can walk out that door and hold grudges and hatred in our heart. 
What we do says more about who we are than what we say. Consistency or integrity is aligning those things up that says, I'm going to live my life by the standards that God set because I accept them and I don't allow myself to deviate for any reason. That's what God calls you and I to. Obviously, I think you can see why this is part of our discussion of exercising ourselves to godliness. This is taking the thoughts of my mind and bringing them into control, as we've seen on Monday. This is taking my tongue and bringing it into alignment with that, that heart. And it's taking the behavior of my life and putting them all together that there's a complete package, a soundness, a wholeness, a consistency to who I am and what I do, that I don't change. Notice, if you will, here, there's some benefits that we can get from it. Before we get to those, one more thing I want to mention is you need to realize the thing about integrity is that if you have a price to be sold, someone's willing to pay it. There's that old saying, everybody has a price. You just got to find the right price and you can bribe somebody. When it comes to your integrity, if there's a price on your integrity somebody's going to be willing to pay it to get you to compromise. An enemy, a friend, a family member, a boss. So I want you to think tonight as we go through this study, what would you sell your integrity for? For promotion? To be accepted? For pride? For money? What is it that would take you to cause your... Uh, to cause inconsistency in your life that you would sell that integrity and say I'm going to behave in a way that's inconsistent with what I say I believe. If you have a price someone's going to pay that and what we have to do is do the work that says there is no price that someone else can pay for my integrity that hasn't already been paid by Christ Jesus. He bought my integrity and we'll come back to that passage in a second. But that has to be the attitude, the work that I'm willing to do because there's great value in having integrity, of being a consistent person. Just look at the world around us today and see how much trial and heartache and drama is constantly going on in people's lives. And I'll tell you, a big part of that is there's no consistency in their lives. It's always being tossed to and fro by every event that happens, and there's no foundation for them. There's no strength. And one of the things that integrity gives you is strength from God. In Psalms chapter 26 and verse 1, the Bible says, Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord. Therefore, I shall not slide. Because I have this integrity that I've accepted your standards and I refuse to walk any other way because I'm walking the way you told me to walk, I'm not going to slide. I'm sure-footed. I think that's an amazing thing to think about, to have that type of life of consistency that no matter what happens, I'm sure-footed. I, I don't slide around. I know you've all seen the pictures of different animals in the mountains and seen those goats that are standing on just the smallest ledge it looks like. But they're sure-footed. They're not going to slide. They're not going to fall. In a much greater way, you and I, when we have consistency that we've put the holy sweat in to develop, that we've accepted God's standards, we begin to live by God's standards, that creates that strength in me, then it puts me in a place where I'm not tossed to and fro all the time, where every event just seems to blow up. I know many of you have been out in the offices and you've got in friends and employees and maybe even family members that seems like there's always drama. It just seems to me, Nancy, that there's some people whose life is incomplete unless they have drama in it. 
that just something has to always be going on. You want to get rid of that drama? Have integrity. That no matter what happens, you're the same person. That'll destroy drama. It'll give you the consistency that your feet won't slide. It'll give you the strength that you need. Notice Proverbs 2 and verse 7 here. The Bible says, He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk upright or walk in integrity. That's what that phrase means. He is a strength, a shield that causes people to not be afraid. That I can stand in any situation and no matter what happens, I have a defense ready for me. And that defense is I'm living by the standards of God. What can man do to me? If I'm walking with my integrity, that doesn't mean the world's going to like it. doesn't mean everybody's going to praise me. In fact, it might cause people to not like you. It might cause people to not want to be around you. It might cause you a job. It might cost you a friendship. But I don't have to worry about what it's going to cost me because he is a buckler, a shield, a defender to those who walk in such a way. I can't think of a greater resource, a greater advocate to have on my side than God being a rock and a shield and a defender to me. And one of the things I've been amazed at studying the Psalms in the last several years is how many times the psalmist refers to God as his rock, as his salvation, as his shield, as his defense, as his buckler. It's all these same things that say, when I accept the standards of God and I live by the standards of God, I have a resource, a strength that I don't have to worry about what the world is going to do. I want to tell you what will happen when you begin to walk with integrity. It's going to upset some people. They're not going to like it. And they're going to try to lash out and they're going to try to find weaknesses. And they're going to try to point out your faults and things like gossip and backbiting and all those things begin to happen. I don't have to worry about any of that. Because I walk with integrity. God is my buckler. God is my shield. I have that strength from Him. Notice again, if you will, here in Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 29. The way of the Lord is the strength to the upright, but destruction shall be to the workers of iniquity. That's what I need. We started on Sunday by talking about that part of my motivation is recognizing that I'm a broken individual, that I have sin in my life, that I can't fix on my own, that I need strength, I need help from someone. It's not up to man, it's not within me to correct myself and have the strength to overdo, overcome all that thing. Where can I find that strength? From God. He is the strength for the upright. Those that will accept His standards and strive to live by His standards find the strength that they need to do these things. It's, I don't know if you keep up with the exercise world. They've created all these powders and all these proteins now. And you've got a pre-workout and a mid-workout protein. And you take these drinks and they're supposed to boost your workout and give you added benefits. I don't know if they work. I'm not saying bad against them. If they work for you, God bless you. Keep using it. I just find it interesting that man's always looking for extra strength, extra advantage somewhere. You know, you and I have that in exercising ourselves to godliness, not in some powder, not in some shake, but in the Lord God Himself. He will be your pre-workout. He will be your mid-workout. He'll be your post-workout. He'll give you the strength you need to walk with integrity when you strive to do that. Not only does integrity give us strength, but it gives us guidance for this life. Closely related, but a little bit different in my mind. Strength is the ability to push through. Guidance is the direction. If you find yourself constantly going, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. How do I handle this? That might be an indication you lack integrity. 
Because integrity says I'm going to handle it the exact same way every time. That I don't have to figure out new patterns and new routes to go because integrity, consistency says this is the standard of God. That's the way I handle it. And there's no discussion about it. It gives me that guidance for my life. Notice in Proverbs 11 and verse 3, the Bible says, The integrity of the upright shall guide them. It becomes that guide for me where I don't have to sit back and scratch my head and go, well, you know, last time I did this and it didn't work. And I heard someone else did it this way, and and they said it kind of worked. What if I did this and that? No. I open the Word of God and say, what is your standard? And what do you want me to do? doesn't matter what the situation is. I'll give you a great illustration of this. It has to do with interpersonal problems. When I have a problem between me and another person, you look at how many people scratch their heads and try to figure out, what do I do? What should I talk to them? If I say something to them, they might get upset. But if I don't say something, this is going to linger on. Well, maybe I should go seek some counsel. Maybe I should pretend like I'm getting some advice from Brother Gage and really I'm just kind of backbiting to Brother Gage. This other, And we do all these great things when all we've got to do is, what did God say? He said, if there's a problem between you and a brother, you go talk to him one-on-one. That's, that's it. That's integrity. That no matter what happens, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are, what the situation is, if there's a problem between me and a brother, there's one solution. And it starts with me going to my brother one-on-one, as God said. And I do that every time. Because that's the standard of God. I've accepted that standard, and I'm going to live that standard. It gives me the guidance to make it through this life. Again, in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 6, Righteousness keepeth him that is upright in the way. How am I going to walk this Christian life? How am I going to live in such a way that I know I'm walking right with God? How can I be sure of my feet and staying in the way? By integrity, by walking upright. Righteousness keeps him that is upright in the way. You see, to have integrity leaves me being righteous. And when I walk with righteousness, that integrity combined together, that's going to keep me in the way. It's really exactly the way God planned it. When I follow His plan, when I do what He said, He's guiding me to heaven. And so what I have to do is accept His standard and live His standard. And that's going to guide me to heaven. It's going to keep me from falling out of the way. Lastly on this is Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 9, that this confidence of being in the way, this confidence of handling life, isn't about me, but it's about God. He that walketh uprightly walketh surely. But he that perverteth his ways shall be known. To walk surely is to walk steadfastly. And I have confidence that I'm doing that not because I'm good enough, not because I'm righteous or I'm smart or I've memorized scripture, but because I'm doing what God said. And when I live that way, I can walk with confidence, with surety, not in myself and in my ability to keep laws, but because God called me to that. Again, we talked last night how that doesn't mean a sinless, perfect life. But it means I deal with my sin. I acknowledge it. And I strive to do what God called me to do to overcome that sin. When I walk that way, I walk with surety, with confidence. There's other areas that we could talk about this evening that integrity brings value to our life and blessings to our life. And I I hope you've kind of begun to see these, and I want to encourage you to go home and continue to study this topic and dig into this topic. But I want us to see that it's not an easy thing to have either. There's a lot of things out there calling against you, striving to get you to compromise. 
In fact, we're told that's one of the greatest virtues today, tolerance and compromise. And it's all around us in the world. God said, no, that's not what I've called you to. I've called you to have integrity, to consistency. And it's going to be a challenge for us to develop that in our lives. So what are some things that you and I can do this evening that will help us develop integrity in our lives? It's going to take work. It's going to take effort. And one of those things I want to tell you, it begins with testing your heart. If you've been with us throughout this study, you'll know that we've talked an awful lot about the heart, about knowing the heart. On Monday night, we talked about training the heart so that what comes out in our words and our behaviors is consistent. On Tuesday and Wednesday night, we talked about how when there's that inconsistency between us, that means there's a problem. And so what I mean tonight when I say testing the heart, it's not training it. It's not seeing an inconsistency in it. It's rather responding that when I see an inconsistency between what's in my heart and my behavior, that I begin to test it. Notice, if you will, here in 1 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 17. The Bible says, I know also, my God, that thou triest the heart and has pleasure in uprightness or integrity. As for me, in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all these things, and now I have seen with joy thy people, which are present here, to offer willingly unto thee. He comes before him and he says, listen, God, I know who you are, and you try the heart. You know, when there's an inconsistency in my life, when that integrity isn't there, and I'm wanting to develop it, the first thing I have to do is put my heart to a test. You know, if an individual's having issues with their heart, one of the tests that they go to the doctor and perform is called a stress test. And the point of a stress test is to stress out the heart, to put it under conditions where it's exercising and working very hard so the doctor can look at it and say, here's the problem, here's what's wrong, and now we can have a plan to fix it. And that's what I'm talking about when I talk about testing your heart. Not just seeing an inconsistency, but a time that you really sit down and dig in your heart and say, what is it that I'm believing? What is it that I'm accepting that's not in alignment with the will of God? Where is my heart wrong? Because that's the stage that I can begin then to cut those things out. I need to stress my test. Or pardon me, I need to stress my heart, not the test. <laughs> Probably ought to stress the test if you have one of those. What I do know about a stress test, though, is I've never had one at this point in my life. I know several that have. But I don't know anybody that's come back from it and said, boy, that was fun. I want to do another one. When can, we, can we do that every day? Especially people that don't pass the stress test. People that actually do have a problem with their heart will come back and tell you it was very vigorous and it was very difficult and it was labor. And I want to tell you, when it comes to you and I, testing our hearts spiritually, it's not a fun time. It's not, yay, look what I get to do. It means getting down into the mud and muck of my life. Getting down to the beliefs, the core reasons I do things. And being willing to be honest with myself and deal with things that I may have thought I've dealt with. Bitterness that's been holding in my heart for a long time that I've just covered up and never really removed. Wrong views of people, wrong views of God that I'm holding on to. I need to be willing to, to put in the work to stress my heart. And it's not going to be easy. I think it takes a lot of courage to do that. Notice this passage in Psalms 139. I think it takes an amazing faith to pray this prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me into the way everlasting. He said, search me. 
You know, it takes a lot of confidence in God to say to him, search me. This is God, the creator of all that knows everything, that nothing is hid from his eyes. He sees everything. And to be able to walk to him and say, God, I want you to search me. I want you to know me. It takes a lot of faith in his promises, in his mercy. You know, if I don't have that faith, it's awful hard to make that prayer. One of the blessings that, that I have back home is I've got a mechanic that I truly, truly trust. You know, when I'm on the road and my wife's car or my son's car or my daughter's car breaks down, all of us have had that experience of going to a mechanic that we didn't trust. And you know, when I'm out of town, I'm 2, 6, 8, 10, 12 hours away, and I can't be there to look at it, and they've got to take it to a mechanic. We all had that mechanic also that we felt like took advantage of us. And that's a scary thing. For them to take the car in and the guy call me and go, oh, you need this and this and this. I feel like he's trying to take advantage of it. But a great blessing that we have back home is I've got a mechanic I really trust. Trust him so much that before I buy a vehicle, I take it to him. I say, hey, Robbie, I want you to search this car. I want you to try this car. I want you to test this car. I want you to expose this car and show me if it's worth the money. And he'll do that, and I trust his work. That's a great blessing because I have confidence in him. You know, we can have that same confidence in God. God, I want you to test my heart. I want you to look deep inside me, and I want you to show me where my heart is not in line. I want you to expose in my life. I believe that's exactly what he's saying when he says, God, see if there be any wickedness in me. You know, if you're not really wanting to glorify God, if you're wanting to kind of play the game and go through the motions and look good on the outside but still cling to sin, that's a scary thing to say. God, expose my sin. <laughs> He'll do it. He'll show you where you're wrong, where your heart's not in line. But if we have that sincere heart that says, God, I want to glorify you, I want you to show me where my life isn't lined up with you. We can pray this prayer and he'll show us where our heart isn't right and then lead us in the way that would make our heart right with him. That we can begin to bring consistency into our lives so that we have that level of integrity. So if you want integrity, it starts not by training your heart, not by just noticing, hey, there's some inconsistency in my life, but by being willing to test your heart to put it to the test and really examined it by God so that you can see if there's any wicked way in you and that God might lead you into the way everlasting. Secondly, not only do I need to test my heart if I want to develop integrity, but the second thing I need to do is begin to apply God's Word. You know, it's impossible to live with integrity before God if I don't know God's Word. I'm just going to assume that. We're not even going to read scriptures about knowing God's Word. We're going to talk about applying God's Word to my life. We talk that integrity is to accept God's standards and then to walk in God's standards, and that's the part that we're dealing with now. To walk in God's standards means I apply God's standards to my life. Here in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, Studies show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be shamed, rightly dividing or rightly applying God's word to us. I have to have that standard in my life to know it, and then I have to do it. Even when I don't feel like it. That's when it's the hardest. Listen, it's easy when the conditions are favorable. 
When everybody around me is kind of going, hey, yeah, you can do this. Walk right. Be a Christian. Love God. That's easy to apply God's standards. Integrity says, I apply God's standards regardless who's around. And in every situation and every circumstance, I put in the holy sweat to consistently follow that. Notice, if you will, here, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14. The Bible says that henceforth will be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine and by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to see. We talked earlier about how one of the blessings of uh, integrity is to have that consistency where we're not being blown around all the time, but we're the same person. And not knowing God's true standard leaves me that way. But when I know God's standard and I begin to apply that standard consistently, step by step, I begin to become a person of integrity. And it's going to take time. It's not enough to apply God's standard on Monday and Tuesday and then let up Thursday, Friday, Saturday and go, oh, I'm going to try again. I've got to do it not just one day, not just two days, but I've got to force myself and say, God, you expect me to have self-control and do what you've called me to do. In this situation, when the store clerk is rude and I've had a bad day, when everything that's going wrong could, or everything that could go wrong is going wrong, God, you ex still expect me to behave with my tongue in this way. And I'm going to make myself do that, even if I don't feel like it, even if the conditions aren't favorable. I'm going to do in every situation what God has called me to do. I'm going to apply that. And if we're not willing to do that, we put ourselves in a danger of not having integrity, and you'll never develop that integrity. Again, Psalms chapter 15, beginning in verse 1, the question is asked, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh truth in his heart. He goes on and lists some other things, but I want you to notice that he starts with this idea of integrity. If you want to dwell with God, it has to be dwelling with God by the standard that he set. You want a relationship with Him in this life. It comes by you consistently doing what God called you to do in every situation. To speak the truth is important in every area of my life. You know, we talked the other night on Tuesday night, as we talked about the tongue, how many relationship problems are caused by evil communication. How many church problems are caused by evil communication. And we made the point that we need to have our tongues under the control of God and that we speak the truth that we're the individuals that like this talks about speaks truth that has integrity that in every situation we speak truth and what that means when it comes to applying God's word to my life means that I speak truth with my wife and I speak truth with the IRS it's the same thing if I'm going to be inconsistent with the IRS but I'm going to tell my wife the truth and I'm going to lie to the government. I have no integrity. I don't have integrity. That's not what God called. Yeah, but Mike, they're corrupt. They're... God didn't say, hey, listen, if someone else does evil, that gives you the right to do evil. He said, you walk with integrity. I called you to truth. I called you to righteousness. I called you to holiness. And it doesn't matter. You do what I asked you to do. You consistently, in every situation, apply my word to your life. If you're guilty and you've made a mistake, God said, I expect you to humble yourself and acknowledge that mistake and seek forgiveness from me and from those that you've wronged. doesn't matter what they did. doesn't matter how many times they've done it. God said, this is what I expect of you to do. 
And that's how I develop integrity. As I examine my heart and say, God, where is my heart not in line with you? And how do you want me to consistently, day by day, apply your standard to my life that I might walk in it? Thirdly, I recognize, as we've kind of alluded to a little bit here, that circumstances don't matter. It doesn't matter what happens, who's around. I still do what God told me to do in every situation and in every way. I think all of us have times in our lives where we've justified ourselves by trying to make the situation seem excusable. And if we're really honest with ourselves, we oversell the situation. It wasn't quite as bad as we wanted to make it out to be when we're making the justification. But even if it was, I want to show you someone that had a bad situation. In Job chapter 2, Job has been put to the test. God has allowed Satan to have at him, to kill all of his family, to take everything he has, and even beyond that, to, to, to hit him with his own health problems. And notice what the Lord says to Satan. Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil, and still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. If ever there was a guy that could go, whoa, whoa, this isn't fair. I'm trying to serve you, God. I'm trying to be faithful to you. How could I lose everything? Job could have cried that. If ever there was a man that said, this is too much to take, it could have been Job. I can't imagine standing there. If you read the story of Job, the first servant comes up and says, hey, this horrible thing happened. And the Bible says, as this one spoke, another one came up and said, wait, this horrible thing happened. And as that one spoke, another one said, this horrible thing happened. And as that one spoke, one came up and said, your kids are killed. How could anybody hold their integrity in that moment? Who would blame Job for being a little upset? Which of us would go, Job, what you're doing is not right? We'd all sit there and go, man, that's bad. That's tough. Let's give him a little room. He'll get through this. That's not what God said Job did. He held fast his integrity. Situation doesn't change the story. That no matter what happens... No matter what the circumstances are, I'm going to consistently follow God and I'm going to consistently apply His standard to my life and I'm going to quit making excuses saying the situation was beyond my control because it's not. It's a choice I make. Will I yield myself? Will I surrender myself to the standard of God and execute that in my life or not? It takes work and it takes effort. If I'm not willing to walk in that wisdom consistently every time, I'll never have integrity. Notice what he says about our speech in Colossians chapter 4, beginning in verse 5. Walk in wisdom towards them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech most of the time be with grace. Let your speech nine-tenths of the time be with... No. Let your speech always be with grace. That's the standard God called us to. No matter what they said to you, no matter what kind of day you're having, God said, I've called you to this standard that your speech is always to be seasoned with grace. And if I compromise that, it's just going to lead me to be a person that's inconsistent, to lack integrity, to not be what God called me to be. So I want that integrity. I've got to put in the holy effort, the holy sweat, to not let the situation change me, to be prepared for that. 
to be prepared for that situation. You know, a lot of times when we get in trouble is we've not thought of a situation could ever happen to us. We've never thought ahead of time, how am I going to respond? My dad, when I was learning to drive, taught me a very basic principle about driving. He said, you assume everybody else is trying to kill you. <laughs> he said, you be ready for that at all times. You be a defensive driver. And you anticipate as you're going down the road, if that car were to pull over, what would I do? If that car was to do this, if this was to happen, to be anticipating how you would respond, he said, will make you a better driver. And I've never forgotten that. I think that same principle is what we're talking about here when it, I recognize the circumstances don't matter. If the first time I'm trying to find an answer to life's problems is when I'm in the middle of that circumstances, odds are I'm not going to be ready to respond to it. I need to have a plan. When people are rude, what am I going to do? When people are hateful, what am I going to do? When people tempt me to do this or tempt me to do that, what will I do? How will I maintain in those situations that I can foresee? How will I maintain my integrity? You know, the reality is, is when I do this, when I prepare myself to not let the situation change me, the Bible says I'll find strength from the Lord. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. The wait here doesn't mean just sit around and do nothing. It's like a waiter at a restaurant. Those that serve the Lord will find strength. As we said earlier, the times that we're most tempted to compromise is in the moments of weakness where we feel overwhelmed, where there's a lot of pressure and we're tired. That's the temptation, being weary that we want to just compromise this one time. But there's strength to be found when I wait upon the Lord, when I do what He's asked me to do, and I make it a pattern in my life so that it becomes consistency, so that it becomes integrity. I find the strength to stand even when I'm in the weakest moments of my life. I can stand not by my strength, but by the strength that God gives me. And so that brings us to this last point tonight of being alert of pressure. Not only do I need to examine my heart, not only do I need to apply God's word and not let the situation change me, but I also need to be aware of pressure in life. If I ignore that there are people that are trying to buy my integrity and pretend like there's no way anybody can get to me, I'm just setting myself up for failure. Notice, if you will, a couple of passages. It's easy to spot some of these people. The Bible says in Proverbs 1 and verse 10, My son, of sinners entice thee, consent thou not. My son, if thou walk now thou... My son, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path. There are certain people that it's real easy for me to go, nah, no, I'm not going to go do that. There's some real obvious situations that make it easy. If someone to walk in the church building after services while we're standing around, invite you down to the local bar, I think all of us would go, that's probably what he's talking about right here. I can walk away from that one. I'm in the right group of people. I've got the strength. And so we need to acknowledge that those are out there, but... That obvious pressure isn't the only pressure that's out there. There is other pressures. There are other calls, sometimes from our own flesh, sometimes from our greed, our pride. And if we ignore those that say, listen, there are things that are out there, there are people that are out there, there are powers that are out there that want me to compromise and sell my integrity. If I don't believe that, I won't be prepared for that battle when it comes. I want you to notice this idea of pressure and for some reason, we think today that we're beyond pressure. We look at young kids and we go, man, it's tough growing up today. There's a lot of peer pressure in school, but, but hold fast and you'll make it. And we act like we turn adults, that pressure ends. It doesn't. 
It doesn't, and they've done test after test. I read a test a couple of years ago that they did in this doctor's office. I thought it was an amazing thing. They had four or five seats up here and a couple over here, and they had about five people sitting in these seats. And all these people that were sitting in the seats to start it off were in on the gag. And what they did is at a random time, they, a light would go off, and all the people that were sitting down would just stand up for about 30 seconds, and they'd sit back down. And they waited for someone to come in, and one of the patients that were already there went back and pretended to see the doctor. And they all sat back down, and guess what they did? They flashed the light. All the others that were in there that were in on the gag stood up, and guess what the person who didn't know what was going on did? He stood up. And they kept running this experiment where they would take one person at a time back, taking all the individuals out of the room till they got rid of every person that was in on the gag, and they just had a waiting room full of new customers that didn't know what was going on. They flashed the light, and guess what every one of them did? They all stood up. They had no idea what they were doing, but everybody in front of them did it, so I've got to do it. I know we hear that story, because I'll tell you what I read, what I thought when I read that story. I'm... Those silly people, I wouldn't have stood up. And that's exactly what we think about pressure. Those silly people, I wouldn't do it. The truth is, yeah, I would have stood up. I'd have went home and go, that's the weirdest doctor I've ever seen. I'm not going back. But I'd have stood up. And you would have stood up. Because pressure's real. And it comes from obvious places that we can see. And those are the ones that are a little bit easier to stand against. It's the places we don't expect and the places we don't prepare. There's an amazing story in the book of Galatians. I want us to notice this passage, chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. The Bible says, But when Peter was come to Antioch, I was stood in the face because he was to be blamed. For before certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which are the circumcision, and other Jews disassembled likewise with him also, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with her dissimulation. I find this passage to be utterly amazing. The situation is this. The Jews and Gentiles were supposed to be coming into one family. That didn't work smoothly. It didn't just like flip a switch and, oh, we forgive thousands of years, or these hundreds of years of problems we had. They began to come into one body in the church and they had problems. One of those things is they didn't always like to eat together. Peter knew different. Peter was the one that was the first person to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. He's the one that went back to Jerusalem and said, Hey, listen, I saw the sign. I knew what God was saying. He told me to preach to these people. And everybody went, Well, then God's granted salvation to the Gentiles. Peter was the middle of that. Fast forward a little bit. Peter's away from Jerusalem where it's mainly Jews. And he's in an area now where it's mainly Gentiles. And some people from James, from Jerusalem, come down. And Peter sees him and he stops eating with the Gentiles and he comes over here and eats with the Jews. Now, I can understand Peter doing that. Peter's a rash man. I, I get Peter a lot. I can see him doing that. And so when it says Paul had to correct him, that doesn't surprise me so much. But Barnabas? The son of encouragement? The guy, I mean, if you've heard a sermon about Barnabas, you just heard him praised about how wonderful he was, about how he helped people, about a great encourager he was. But notice, this got so bad, the pressure was so intense, even Barnabas fell to it. I want you to understand, and I need to understand as well, there's pressure out there. And if we pretend like we're not subject to it, we're going to fail. 
Sometimes it's that obvious pressure that we talked about. Sometimes, young folks, I want to tell you, the pressure is going to come from your peers that might be members of the church that are trying to get you to sell your integrity. You wouldn't be the first that they've tried that with. And it wouldn't be the first generation that that's happened. And that's not just true for the young folks. It's true for all of us at any age. It may come from within the church. It may come from within your family. It may come at work. It can come from a lot of places. And if you don't acknowledge that there's pressures out there that are trying to get you to sell your integrity, then you're going to be in a situation where your integrity gets sold. Because when we acknowledge that, and say, I recognize that that integrity is there. Psalms 84 and verse 11 says we can find help from God. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. When I strive to walk with integrity, meaning I acknowledge that there are pressures in my life and that I need God's strength and I need God's help dealing with, he says I'm not going to withhold that strength. I'm not going to withhold that from those people trying to walk with integrity. But when I pretend I've got this and there's no pressure out there that that could overtake me, I'm setting myself up for failure. I want us to understand this evening as we bring the study to close that integrity is better than riches. Proverbs 28 and verse 6, Better is the poor that walketh in uprightness than he that is perverse in his ways, though he be rich. Having integrity in this life is worth more than this life itself. There's not enough gold and silver that ought to be able to buy your integrity. Because I do want to tell you that you have been bought. You've been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and spirit, which are Christ. That's what 1 Corinthians 6 tells us. That's the price that's been paid. Don't sell that price of integrity for pride, for popularity, for acceptance. Don't sell that integrity because you've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. So this evening, as you look at your life, can you say that you're walking in your integrity? Can you make this claim that he's saying here, but as for me, I will walk in my integrity, redeem me and be merciful to me? If I'm holding on to secret sin, not testing my heart, not asking God to expose it, If you're afraid tonight for God to expose your heart, there's a problem. There's a deep problem that you need to be willing to come to God about. And allow Him and His grace and His mercy. He's not waiting to chide you. He's not waiting to rebuke you. He's waiting to heal you. To strengthen you and to equip you. Is your life walked with integrity? Are you willing to consistently apply God's word, acknowledging that you're going to do that in every situation, that you need his help dealing with the pressures that are calling you? If that's lacking in your life, Christ invites you that he will strengthen you and he'll equip you to have integrity. If you'd like to do that tonight, the church stands ready to assist you. There's nothing that we can do for you in and of ourselves save take your need to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who can make you what you ought to be. If you desire to do that this evening, you have any spiritual need that Christ can meet, we'd be honored, be humbled to be your servant and help you take that need to him. Simply need to know of that need, ask you to make it known by having to sit in this front pew as we stand now to sing this song.